Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? You're listening to Episode 70, Part B of The Howie Games, featuring Nathan Buckley. On with the show. So your, your footy career, um, you know, you, we don't have time to go through it in an enormous amount of depth, but you won a premiership as a young bloke over mm. in the Sanford with Port Adelaide. And then reading your book, oh, I didn't understand the fun and games that went on with you going to Brisbane yeah. and then potentially the Kangaroos and potentially other clubs and then finishing within Collingwood, including brown paper bags with cash mm. in them, which I really enjoyed that part of the story. Yeah. Imagine if one of your players came out now and it was, oh, yeah, yeah. we paid him in a brown paper bag in cash. Yeah, well... How many days would that be on the front page, do you oh, think? I reckon it would be front and centre. Yeah. Oh, there's, like, I think, we always think that you might be, that you're sort of, at times you can get caught between eras, you know, that that, that you're sort of between the old way and the new way. Mm. We're always between the old way and the new way. Like, it's a good point. But I think um, the, the fact that I reckon I was one of the last guys to to get a brown paper bag, but I don't know that for a fact. But, you know, you sort of, here's some cash and here's... In a car park? In a... Well, no, I can't remember exactly. Actually, I do remember. I reckon it was a... I think it was, yeah, a cafe coming out of a cafe and here you go, mate, this is this is for you. Can you give me an idea of how much was in the bag? It was 10000 It was 10000 How old were you? I was, twi- I was 19, so it was before the 92 year. It's a nice yeah, oh, don't worry, I counted a few times. <laughs> it's um, oh look, it was it was just a brand new world. It was it was like everything you sort of dreamt about, everything you wanted. Like at that stage, I'd only played six games of senior footy in South Australia for Port Adelaide. Um, but it was just I was starting to show that I had potential, I suppose, and you know. Greg Miller at North Melbourne was the first guy to see it, and he's you know respected over his time as having one of the keener eyes mm. that got around. And um, I suppose the next, the, the following sort of twelve months are just a world, an absolute whirlwind. Yeah, twelve to eighteen months was an absolute whirlwind. Um, you went to keep Brisbane. keep going further. I mean, like so, ninety one. I'm still at I'm still at Port. I've got. The cash and I'm and I'm sort of connected with North. I go. So the up, cash was from North Melbourne. Yeah, yep. and then I go up and at the end of ninety one, ninety two, I play the season up in Darwin. I come back in ninety two to play the season at Port Adelaide and and just go gangbusters. Great year individually and and for the team, win a win a flag. Good handball by Darren Smith. That was a beauty. Buckley has one to beat. That was Rubra. He did it easy. He's a class act and he banged it through. By G, they wanted that one. And then that a lot, a lot changes through that. A lot changes in that time around, you know, how many how many AFL clubs are interested in securing my services. Um, I get Jeff Motley as a manager um, who wants to take the draft on. There's just so much going on. And, and for me, as a young bloke, it was like that's we were just talking about perspective and mm. being myopic. I was myopic. I just wanted to play footy, play footy. Um, have fun. Um, I was I was going to uni. I was doing town planning at uni in ninety two. Yeah, mate. big big career loss there. <laughs> oh yeah, the towns. Are <laughs> I know it's the urban planning just hasn't been the same since. <laughs> but um, so I I just was really myopic in the way I viewed that time. But if I had have 
taken a step back and had a greater perspective of all the other stuff that was going around, it, it might have blown me up. Mm. But so sometimes being that single-minded is actually at that times is the is the right answer and is a is a blessing. So there was so and then and then and through nine, over the off season ninety two ninety three all of the, there was stuff that was going on. I ended up in Brisbane because North Melbourne had put me on Brisbane's list because Brisbane had priority access to NT kids and I was an NT kid. So with, that, with the understanding that you would end up getting with the understanding that Brisbane were going to trade me me back to North after at, one year. Yeah, when when I was done at Port Adelaide. Right. So that all went – that was an initial plan and it was a great plan. So was that plan – did you ever play at Brisbane on the North deal or no, you wouldn't no, play there at all? No, no, right. it wasn't. So right. that's what okay. – so, so in 92, 93 when, when, when basically shit hit the fan and everything was blown up, North were apparently – the AFL were investigating North for what had happened 12 months ago and the, the colour of the forms had changed. So <laughs> the form that I'd signed with North was no longer no – longer, accepted by the AFL and Collingwood came into the picture, Geelong came into the picture, Brisbane saw all of this and said actually we might keep him and, and then like I, as I said I'm trying to play through, all, I'm not trying to play, all I'm doing is playing through all of this. So in 92, 93 I went back and played a couple of games in Darwin and didn't know whether I was going to stay at Port, whether I was going to go to, when I was going to get held to North, whether I was going to go to Collingwood, whether I was going to be forced to play in Brisbane. <laughs> And and I didn't know until February '93 what what I was going to do, and I ended up flying up to Brisbane, and um, Walsey picks me up at the the airport. Yeah, and, you know, this was a week before the preseason competition started, um, and Walsey picks me up, and um, yeah, I'm in Brisbane, and I had seven months in Brisbane under Wolsey and I the the things that I learnt there and what I you know, the relationship that I formed with him and when I say relationship it's um you know, Wolsey's an old school man and an old school coach and he was tough love. Um and it, but it was just perfect timing for me. I was very lucky to have him at that time. He, and he was not he and dad cut from the same cloth, so it was funny how I was ready to receive that type of coaching when potentially as a 15, 16 or younger kid that I really re- reneged or rebelled against what I got the same stuff from dad. In between there was Jack Cale who was a guy who just told you how good you were at everything and built you up. So, Port Adelaide. Yeah. So, so, so you, yeah. Played, you played the year at Brisbane and you won the – was the Norwich Rising Star back then? Uh, at Brisbane, yes. Yeah, so the, yeah, it was Norwich Rising Star is now the, the NAB Rising Star. So yeah. you won that and then through all the machinations you end up at Collingwood. And your great mate, um, teammate, and now manager Craig Keller was explaining this to me the other day mm. that you arrived at Collingwood, but for you to arrive at Collingwood, and a couple of years after they'd won the premiership, yeah. they had to lose players yeah. back to Brisbane. Yeah. Late today, Carlton football manager Stephen Goff refuted his club had joined in the bidding war. Collingwood football manager Graham Allen, after speaking on radio this morning, would not comment further today, except to say Buckley will play with the Magpies next year. It's believed he will receive $200,000 a year. Buckley, 21, was the star with the Bears in his first season of AFL football. His contract with Brisbane stipulated he'd be free to be cleared to the club of his choice. The Bears official told me last week whoever won Buckley's services would have to hurt to get him in a player swap. There is still no word which magpies will become bears next season. So all of a sudden there's a, I don't know, 
20-ish-year-old kid walks into a footy club, mm. there's got to be a fair bit of resentment around there from the players that have said goodbye to their mates. Yeah, and, and once again, this is where ignorance is handy too. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't well, understand I sort that? Of, I sort of knew, but I, it didn't sink in that far, um, thankfully. Um, well, we, we had Shane Morwood come and speak to our, our group last week leading into the West Coast game. We get a past player for our home games. And um, and I didn't even comp- contemplated this, but you know when he he, he was um, as he was being interviewed, we were talking about a few things, and he like his career finished up in '92, and he looked across, and he said, "Yeah, he goes because um, a few of us got." We had to make room in the cap for a, for a bloke that they were chasing in '93, right. and I, like I knew that Stas, Craig Stasovich and Troy Lehman, got traded up to Brisbane and picked twelve. So that was the trade. Yep. But what you, what I'd never considered <laughs> was the careers that may have ended, and 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 so I'm in the theaterette on. Um, on Friday last week, and Shane Moore's there, who's played over a couple hundred games for for Collingwood, who basically declared that yeah, you know, I think my I think my career ended. It was on the I was, but I probably missed out on the last twelve months because because uh, this bloke was coming because in. Because of the coach, so, so it's yeah. So I mean, if you if we were aware, if you know, if if I was as a twenty one year old coming into that environment. If I was, if I had, you know, that emotional intelligence and that awareness of everything that was going on, without the wherewithal to be able to deal with it, I would have blown up. Yeah. So, so, so sometimes it's a blessing in disguise to not have that. Um, and and I was, I was fortunate that I didn't. But I, but at the same time, you know, I, I just believe that if I put my head down, bum up, and worked, that I that I would earn respect. You know, whatever in whatever shape or form that came in, from the coaches, from players, from from supporters, because um, there was because there was a lot of cr- criticism um, of me at that time. There was a lot of um, um, I was labelled, you know, as a, as an arrogant kid who, and that's all I was. Um, you were labelled with a pretty horrible nickname too. Yeah, the time. fig jam came through. That was when I was in Brisbane. I hadn't actually heard it until it was in the paper, um, but. And that was, and that sort of stuck for quite a while. But see, I haven't heard that for 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 so long. And and what I I suppose my only, um, I suppose what I believe is that if you if you stay true to yourself and you just go about if you if you if you go about your business the best that you can and you um, go about it the right way, eventually, eventually, I think that. People notice that. Eventually, people will understand that and will understand you. But not that that's the that's the end goal. But I think that that yep. that's a, that's a that's a sort of superficial or, or or an outside outcome of it. So, so how? Uh, so, so I'm glad I didn't have that too much awareness well, at that point because it, it would have um, it could have you could have blown me up. Or would have blown mm. anybody up yeah. in that situation. I'll, I'll get to the grand finals you played in in a moment, Nath. But in your eyes, and, and it's you know, you, you're seen as a great at the game. So we don't need to jump around the fact whether you're a great player. Like mm. you're, you, you're a great player. How did you become a great player? What What was the one key of all the work you did mm. in becoming great? Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it emotional? How did you become a great in a really, really tough spot? Yeah, we'll go back to that letter that, that Dad wrote. And eventually I was a, a mentally, physically tough 
player. So that was good advice. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I went through a period there probably between sort of 16 and 22, like when I when I grew, physically grew a little bit, um, so I was a bit, bit more size and strength, but I, you know, supplemented that with working hard, doing more, um, you know, push-ups and sit-ups in the in the back room at Nan's house or, you know, like finding different, you know, I, I didn't run a lot, but I when I did run, I ran bloody hard, like I always blew myself up. So I think um, I think I was, I, I was one of the harder trainers and I was one of the more single-minded um, and ambitious uh, players that were, were getting around. I was definitely... I was touted as professional. I was labelled as professional, but I mean, I'd go out and I'd go out and binge drink with, you know, with the with the old fellas at Port Adelaide, and and I and I loved I loved the social aspect as well. But I would, you know, if I'd um, if I'd had a night where I was where I was out late, I'd be up early in the, the next morning paying the price, and, and I always sort of never lost sight of the fact that if you. I believe that if you were going to get somewhere that you need to work harder than the next person to get it. So that that the other thing that that did it to me is it planted in in my mind a seed that um oh, so I never viewed myself as talented. I never viewed myself as naturally naturally sort of gifted. I always thought that my success came about because I was one of the that I worked for it more than anyone else. But that was and the then, key to success. Yeah, and I, and I think that's. I think that was crucial because if I believed that I had my success from my talent, then I would have skimped on the hard work and I would have not paid the price and I wouldn't wouldn't have had the career that I was able to sort of eke out. If there's one thing I've learned from this podcast, for every Ricky Ponting that was unbelievable from an early age, mm. 70 episodes in, mm. 80% of the people that have dominated mm. have been about hard work. So one thing I've taken away from this podcast. Right. Yeah, and I, and I it's think amazing, it's amazing, isn't it? Because we just think it. Oh, they must have been really good always. Yeah, but there's not that many that are. Well, I didn't play. See, I didn't play. Prim- I, pl- I played for Northern Territory in three primary schools, Carnival. So as a 12, 13 year old kid, I was a good footballer. Like, and my size wasn't an issue. I was tiny. I was small, but I was equivalent. Um, and then I just, you know, just didn't grow and, you know, didn't play in any secondary schools, didn't didn't play in the then Till Cup, which is the under-18s carnival, didn't play in any nationals for, for NT. So, you know, it wasn't as if I was in Victoria and, and just missed out on the, you know, the best 25 kids in the state at that age, but I was nowhere near it. But, I, but I, I'm not surprised because anyone that succeeds in, in any endeavour – and anyone that does it over a long period of time, it's it's not just talent. It's not just, um, yeah, it's not just wherewithal. There needs you need to invest. You need to commit. You need to be passionate about it. And um, and I and I would think that most of the most of the high performers in any endeavour mm. would actually believe that it's their hard work that that gave them their success and not their talent despite the fact that they would be talented and, and I think that paradigm and that mental um, focus and belief on the, the work over the talent 
I, I would I would suggest that that would be consistent of any high performer anywhere because it because it's sustainable. It's something you can actually do something about because there's there's always be someone more talented than you. That's right. But there might not be people um, that are prepared to um, invest as much as you are. Frequent listeners of this show know that I have two children mm-hmm. um, that I chat with uh, normally the night before about the guest I have on, and <laughs> they then formulate their own question, Nathan. And how old are, how old are we so talking? So you get uh, my young bloke hit this word. You get uh, firstly my daughter, who's nine. Okay. But she operates <laughs> as the pickle. Okay, that's her name around home. So you get the question from the pickle, which she asked me last night. I thought it was a, a touch self-absorbed from her, but this is what you get from her. Hi, Bucks. Pickle here. We had the school cross-country recently. It was 2K. I came first, and now I'm going on to the districts. I'm hoping to do under five-minute Ks. What's the fastest you've ever run 2K? Under she so she's looking for five under five minute k's already as a nine year old. Yeah, but what she's hoping to achieve and what she will achieve may be two different things. But what I'm telling you, Nathan, we run. She runs with yeah. mum. Sometimes she runs with me. Yeah. If she starts knocking out too many under five minute k's, she won't be running with yeah, me. No, I can tell funny. you now. Yeah. But she said, "Oh, would Nathan have done much running?" I said, "Yes, my word." And she said, "But would he have run two k?" And I said, "I'm sure that was the time trial distance." Well, two k's were our test, so six twenty four was the best idea. Six twenty four. So that's three minute twelves. Yeah, which which is pretty like, sharp. Well, it's back half of the back half of the group. Yeah, at the moment, right. like, and the running just continues to get better and better. Like, um, I think, um, yeah. Look, I, I I was never a natural runner, but I but I it, it was always something. It was always an opportunity for me to beat myself. It was always an, <laughs> an opportunity. Like I up until about three or four years ago, every run I went on, even as a you know, as a forty-two year old, would be to try and I'd know what my best time was, or I'd know what I ran two weeks ago, or last week, or the last run, and I'd want to I'd want to do better than that and beat the person you're running with. Well, I, yeah, I've been told that. Yeah. yeah, I did hear a story about one of your mates, one of your assistant Sando, coaches, yeah. Brenton Sanders, and yeah, said I want to run with stopped, you anymore. running with me because he reckoned I always wanted to be that step ahead or drag or drag it, you know, another. Thirty seconds uh, off the off our off our K time, but so um, how are you dealing with age and not being able to produce your physical best as a man that was always? I just let it go, it? mate. Right? Have you yeah. let it go? No, yeah. See, I just run for en- I run for right. enjoyment now. And what what minute Ks are we doing now? Oh, look, I run with a couple of guys. We might do five fifteens and chat. Okay. Um, and if I run on my own, I'm running about four thirties. But are you thinking back to previous no, runs? No, 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 no. I just no. When I get, I get to a point now where, and see, I, I see, I, I work with Rob Harvey, and <laughs> he's still got the little man on his shoulder, and saying run, run, run. Yeah, and he, and he just, he just, he just tears himself to bits. Like he just goes hard, and. And I and I still have this this I still do have a little bit of the man on the shoulder. He goes, well, why aren't you striving to run faster, or why aren't you testing yourself in that? And if you don't do it here, what if what if that drops off in other parts of your life? And Gee. so you, you see, so you still and we all have this self talk, and my self talk was always about: Are you doing enough? Are you? Are you testing yourself? Are you outside of your comfort zone? Don't get comfortable. Um, and I think the the irony of the whole thing was that 
staying in my comfort zone for longer and not testing the edge of it was actually out of my comfort zone. Right, <laughs> right. Actually sitting and sitting in the space and and not racing myself or not pushing it was actually it was actually discomfort in a funny way. So that was that became the next thing that I tested and challenged myself on, which was to to learn about things that I didn't know about or to to actually slow down and smell the roses and so that was an evolution for me from second half of my career there was a little bit of that there was clearly a, a bit of that and then in retirement you're really challenged about what you're going to do um enjoyed the media stuff early days of coaching was nearly like going back to being an 18 year old football you know footballer again where you just feel like you need to start again and you get a bit myopic i got myopic mm. in early days of my, my coaching career but then you sort of open up and you blossom and you're a dad and you want to like there's just so many different things that you need to consider, but I love it all, and I love it all, and I'm and I and I'm conscious of it all, more conscious than I've ever been, and um, more aware than I've ever been, and and I love the fact that I've been got to this point. Now, I don't know, you know, what it looks like going forward for forty or family, but you know, I'm looking forward to embracing whatever whatever comes, and and there's challenges that are going to be there, but um, I'm better better place now than I've ever been to face whatever comes. Well, I'll tell the pickle 3 minute 12 is what she needs to aim 3 for. 3-12, 3 12. good luck to pickle. A, what about um, the young fella? Did he get a question? He did get or? a question, but he comes okay, uh, okay. around the grand final. So he's all, he's all come, don't worry. Um, he thought long and hard about it too. Right. He operates as the big penguin, which is a whole other story. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to the big penguin. Back to Bucks in a moment. In previous series, we have mentioned private Howie Games podcasts. If you have loved ones, friends, someone that has inspired you or someone close to you whose story you want to be recorded for posterity, please send us an email at thehowiegames at hotmail.com. That's Howie, H-O-W-I-E, thehowiegames at hotmail.com. We'll try and organise for me to sit down and have a chat just like a normal episode. It's not for broadcast but for a family memory. Alrighty, back to Bucks. Due to some time constraints, um, just finish this these sentences for me. Yeah, okay. Um, losing an AFL grand final as a player, which you did twice, is? Uh, unfortunate. Um, uh, un- unfortunate, but um, it's a reality. Yeah. Winning enormous medal for the best player on the ground when your team loses is? Bittersweet. My um my good mate and teammate of the time, Burnsy Scott Burns, uh, said that I always wanted I always wanted a, a teammate to win the Norm Smith because it would have meant that I had a premiership <laughs> a day in around my neck. And I said, yeah, well, sorry about that, mate. But um, yeah, that's that's what we wanted. It was really um, the a lot of my individual success came around team failure. Um, you know. Best and Ferris team not going well. Um, Norm Smith lose the granny. Brownlow lose the granny. Um, so I, I I don't feel I, I and I'm not resentful of this at all because I had a great career. But I never fully got to celebrate my individual success mm. because it was often coupled with um, with not fa- well, failure, but 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 not winning that not having ultimate team success 
So, I mean, you want it all. <laughs> you don't want to give anything up. You want it all. Yeah, if you're going to be in something, you want to experience it all and you want to, you want to have – so I, I would I, – if I if, – if I, I don't know even what I'm thinking here, but I'd love to have won a grand final clearly, but I don't resent losing a grand final because I think that's that's – that's just it teaches you something about yourself but I would have liked to have had the, the other side of it as well to, to have had the full gamut of emotions and the full experience just what's, what's, what's the one tell me briefly you said you learned something about yourself what have you learned about yourself from losing oh uh, well, that, that that you're actually going to be okay. That if you that you're not that you're not ever going to get everything that you want, and that life's still going to be okay. <laughs> and there's people in far worse situations than than you. Are. So that perspective really wasn't. I'm. It really wasn't with me at that point. But I think that's you know. And you, you we we started the podcast. You were talking about you know whether I'd walked in here still thinking about the loss against West yeah. Coast. I think the way that the discussion's gone and where my, where my mindset, my headspace, my heart space is at, you can see that that's not a that's yep. not an issue. Um, you know, looking forward to Friday night and the next opportunity to perform and experience and to learn from the the teacher of life that footy is. Then I'm looking forward to that. So it's generally about optimism, generally about opportunity, generally about what's to come, not what's been, because we can't control that. Um, but the, the, having the full range of emotions um, is something that I'm big on. I'm, I'm going to play you some audio now, mm-hmm. which is actually quite funny because I, I got someone to get this for me yesterday. I actually have a lot to thank you for. and It's a strange link, but I left Channel 7 and started at Channel 10, probably 2006, 2005, 2006, Nathan. Mm. This is about you, not about me. But... Mm-hmm. As part of working in sport, I had to do 55 days in the newsroom. I'd never worked in a newsroom. I rocked in there coming from a sport background. Everyone's in a suit and a tie and they're going mm. off to court and they're going off to the police rounds and they're going mm. off to the political area. And the news director said, listen, just do a story, how you think a news story should be, um, and we'll have a look at it. We won't put it to air and then we'll see where you're going to fit in. I was driving to work that day. I remember it clearly. You were having a lot of problems with your hamstrings. Mm. And I heard an old bloke on the radio with a cure and I thought, I'll try and track this bloke down and do a news story. I did this news story. I'll play you a little bit of the news story mm. because I never became one of the great political or crime reporters that are involved with this, Nathan. <laughs> Nathan Buckley's hammy has gone twang one too many times. How's my voice over? Leaving the pies <laughs> Terrible. desperate for answers. They've been speaking to people overseas, uh, right throughout Europe and America. Don't worry about America. Greyhound trainer Brian Davis in Reservoir reckons he may have the cure-all. The results are freakish. The only one I don't want to know about is Collingwood. (laughs) This is is the secret potion that could fix Bucks' gammy hammy. Without it, Nathan, you've got Buckley's chance. The Zheng Gu Shui. I can't even say the word, mate. (laughs) What's in it, Brian? Roots and herbs, mate. Read the lowdown on it. It's well, all roots in Chinese, bro. Mate, it's written in English as well, though, Mark. <laughs> it's written in English. What do the chemists say about this gear? Magic. The avid pie fan can't believe Collingwood hasn't called. He's positive if Buck supplies the Chinese ointment, then puts his dodgy leg in this homemade woolen pad, the skipper will soon have the pace of one of Brian's cured greyhounds. Look down that lens and tell Bucks what you want to tell him, Brian. Give it a fly, Nathan. Give it a fly, mate. 
You can't do any damage. Everything's natural. Have a go, Bucks. Is a 90%. Mark Howard, 10 News. So I, I took this back, and the news you, director. Your style was established really early, said, wasn't right it? Right. From now on, I want you to do the cat up the tree, the UFOs, that type of story, and it gave me a nice little niche. Um, how many? <laughs> and look where you've come. Look how far uh, you've come. And thanks to you and your gammy, <laughs> gammy, gammy. Yeah, good on Buckley's you. chance. She says a terrible line. What was the weirdest thing you ever did to try and fix your body? Did you ever go and see a bloke like Brian? Because um, you did your hammy. I don't know how many times. Yeah, well, I had uh, like so a good mate of mine, Dave Francis, who's still involved at the club. Um, who was head physio for the best part of twenty five years, and um, he is very open minded. You know, most of the the, the physical disciplines, uh, the physio that we were talking about tribes, like the physio tribe doesn't believe in the Cairo tribe, mm. doesn't believe in the Mayo tribe. So, but Dave was really open minded. So we went and did a whole heap of stuff. I did tendon flicking. Um, Tendon flicking. Yeah, the tendon flicking, which is basically, they, they believe your muscles twist. Uh, Joy Manser, she's out at um, Rosanna Way and went, went there plenty of times. There was another guy, Pat, from Donald. We went up to Donald and he was he was a little bit, he was a little bit more aggressive on the, the ligament side than the muscle side. You know, so we did some stuff there. Um Oh look, there was also there was no stone unturned to look for the answer. But you didn't go and see the greyhound train. No, we didn't see Brian. Was it Brian? <laughs> Brian. <laughs> we didn't see Brian. I don't know what's. I don't know what else is in it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm not sure if it was a Sada approved. Looking back on it, Nate. Hey, um, um, so thank you for you've that. You've done well to find him, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and even to keep that, mate. Thank yeah. you for that. Have you um, got all of your? No, no, <laughs> I had to, no, no. That was I asked uh, the great Fitzy, a cameraman at Channel oh, Ten, to go work. back and find it for me yesterday. Um, coach, um, oh, I want to speak to you about the grand final. We've got about 15 minutes left. I was watching last night on the Collingwood website you speaking to players after they'd lost a preliminary final. It was yep. Chris Tarrant's last game. So yeah. it was 2000, I don't 2012. Know, 2012. Yeah. How do you address a group of men and do you think about it much beforehand when they've just failed in trying to live out their dream, I guess, is what's happened? Mm. I found it captivating because we don't see much of that. And you're mm. talking to these men straight after the game. It was very raw. Yeah. How, what do you know, how do you know what to say? Well, you don't. You don't because well, there's there's also um, audio of the, the end of last year's granny as well. I was mic'd up the whole day. But um, – and and that one that one is raw because I I'm pretty close to breaking down. I said I just don't know how to lead you at the moment. Um, but the 2012 one was, um, yeah, that was. Uh, I I would have liked to have had the perspective I had now then because I would have been able to support the players better than I did after that 2012 prelim loss. Maybe that means we need to be better during the home away to finish top two. So we've 
we're a better place. You can go back and you can look as far as you like, but in the end, it all boils down to one thing, and that is we need to improve. That general message was you gave it your all, but we weren't good enough. We got it. We got to work harder. We got it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, and that's all great. Yeah. But that's all great. So, what would you say differently? I would say that that they had done an amazing job, and that there's more to life than footy because they'd lost. um, John McCarthy had passed only a couple of weeks earlier. Mm. The day before we went to the game, we'd gone to his funeral down at Sorrento, and. And I would have been more conscious of their heart space and their their head space, and I would have referenced the fact that they've only they've they've lost a game of footy. They've just lost a prelim. They've lost a game of footy, but there's more important things to life than that. Right. And that they've been uh, a great support for each other and supported each other and helped each other through a really difficult period. Um, and it doesn't get it, it's not going to get any easier, but we're just going to keep leaning on one another. Um, so with the benefit of hindsight, you know, I, I would deal with that a little differently. Um, but you can only ever approach things with your level of awareness at that time and, and with your, with your, um, with the, the full, benefit and and with everything in your existence you, know, you can only ever be who you are right now and, and, and I always have been I've never been a shrinking violet I've always wanted to be the most of myself mm. um, it's just as you go along if you keep an open mind you'll become more like or different not necessarily more but um, hopefully more rounded and um, and more understanding of um, of you and where you fit so yeah reflecting on that I'd I, yeah, I, I would like to have had the awareness I have now, but I did the best I could with the tools I had at the time. You mentioned the grand final, and uh, Pete Dixon did the amazing documentary. Yeah, great and, man. And you and Mike Duck, he, he is a great man. He does some phenomenal work. I'll play a bit of that audio now. As I said, we've done a lot right, but we've, we've still got opportunities there just to trust, do the basics well, and that gives us the opportunity to change angle. We're doing a lot right. We are doing a lot right. We are forcing them can play outside of the game style that they want and it's just going to be a matter of doing it for longer. I think it was three quarter time and you've come up with your, your dad mm. and Robert Walls and I'm not sure what Mick Malthouse was like mm. but in that three quarter time speech mm. it was only part of it mm. but you talked about trust mm. and love mm. and you told your footy players you loved them. Mm. Boys bring it in. Let's go boys. I love you boys. I'm so proud of you boys and I trust in every one of you. Now, we're coming back to your dad mm. saying he probably didn't have that emotional side. Mm. When did you start telling your players that you love them? Because that is completely opposite mm. from where I sit, from that whole background we've been talking about. Yeah, well, we like, went. I, I, don't, I, I presume no footy coach ever told you that they loved you. Um not that I can remember, no. <laughs> but they. But I reckon they did, right? You know, but you. But that's the thing. I mean, it's not necessarily what people say; it's how they make you feel. But at three quarter time in a close grand final, and you're taking up some of that time to tell them that you love them. Yeah, well, I reckon. Look, I loved it. Well, before the before the game, before the game, I I told them that that there will be life beyond this next couple of hours. That you know, that win or lose, that 
you're going to be okay. Like, we're going to be all right and we're on a journey and, we're, and our journey is bigger than just today. Mm. And I'm saying that before a grand final. And and the and the little man was going nuts like the the On bloke your the, yeah the bloke that you know he was well not in the not in that moment but he but he's going well how can you be talking to a group of players before a grand final and saying that you know that this isn't necessarily as big as you think it is that there's going to be life beyond this mm. and and I was, but it is this is everything that like but I just. I but find, that's not giving I, them an excuse. No, I don't, yeah, but see, that's the thing. That's, that's an excuse. Exactly right. You know, well, well, you know. That's what the bloke on the you, shoulder is saying. Yeah, correct. But you know, I think we started the game pretty well, so I don't think there was any. There was any. No. <laughs> and I and I, and how how far does a pre-game talk even go these days? Like old school coaches will tell you it's the reason for wins and losses. Yeah. But and three quarter time speeches will be the reasons for wins and losses. But three quarter time speeches are only the tip of the iceberg from all of the conversations and all of the discussions and the momentum and the growth and the and the strengths and weaknesses of the people that you're involved in so it's it really is it, if if that if it's real if it's um uh if it's meaningful and if it's Authentic. I mean, same thing. Same. Th- all very similar words. If they're, if it's, if it's actually real to people, well, then it will, it will um, resonate. resonate with them. If <laughs> you're trying to be something you're not, or if you say something that's not there, or you're trying to make up the words, or you're trying to impose something that is, isn't instinctive to you, it just doesn't work. So, and I've probably learnt that from. You know, trial and error as much as anything. So I just, I really do, I speak off the cuff a lot more in front of the players than I ever have. Um, and when I represent the club, I speak off the cuff more than more than I did to three or four years ago. Definitely more than I did. Was it off the cuff when you spoke at the Copeland? Yeah. Yeah, it 20 was. 20 minutes. And the fact is you take a risk when that happens. The risk you take is you open yourself up to be hurt. All of us at some point have been vulnerable have thrown ourselves out, whether it's in love, whether it's in a passion, but we've put it all on the line and we risk being hurt. We risk being turned back or turned down. We risk being uh, exposing the most vulnerable parts of ourselves. And that's what we need to continually do and we will do because we've got the support of each other to be able to continue to take those, those leaps. Um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the hurt. Don't be afraid of the downside because as soon as you're afraid of that, well, then you hold a little bit back. And if you hold a little bit back, you won't be given all of yourself. So I'm talking to the players. I'm talking to the staff. I'm talking to the supporters. I'm talking to all of us. Let's be prepared to continue to put it all on the line. Let's be prepared to work for our dreams and our ambitions because there's no guarantee they're going to come. There's no deserving it. All there is is earning it. Um, Our story's not done. Don't let anyone else tell you what our story is. We're going to chase it. We're going to explore it. We're going to find out how good we can be. Enjoy the night. I had gratitude on the top of my page and just had a list of the people I wanted to thank. So it takes courage to stand up in front of people on an occasion like that and speak off the top of your head. Yeah, well, but I've never said I've, I've never, as I said, I've never lacked that com- yeah. confidence or belief that, that um, I could wing it and get stuff done. So, and generally, it's been off the back of 
um, preparation though. Yeah. So as so as you're as you're highlighting, so if you're not prepared, well then what are you going to? But the preparation is is trusting yourself. The preparation is believing that you have the words, believing that you have the um, perspective that that people value and that that you can actually lead through that perspective so i mean one of the big things we talk about internally is is just be the best of you you don't don't try and be someone else don't try and even going from last year to this year we we don't need to reinvent the wheel we can trick it we could we could blow ourselves up and it keeps coming up doesn't it you could make life harder for you or you could be less of yourself or by trying to be something that you're not and We've got to keep trusting who we are and we've got to keep developing that and keep um, tipping into that and that'll give us the best chance of success, not trying to manufacture something that doesn't exist. So we're, I talk about that a lot with our boys and it resonates with them in this era. Now, if you've spoken to a group of players or people in the 70s that were playing a better play footy game, it might not have. It probably wouldn't have. Mm. So coaching is very different these days or leading is very different these days to what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm a very different um, parent than my dad. I'm a, diff- I'm a different dad than my dad. Um, and I can only do it as best I can with with my level of awareness. And, and the boys are, you know, my boys are very different to the way I was, I'm sure. And the environment that we're living in is different. So You've led me perfectly into the question from the big penguin. Good work, mate. What's he got for me? Who saw this? I, I hadn't showed it to him. Straight and away, the big penguin's seven. The, yes, he's seven. Um, he, so strange running gate? What's the, or is he, no, he, loves just, he woke up. When he was three, and his name's Mac, Mac was trying to get out of bed. He said, no, Dad, I've changed my name to the Big Penguin. <laughs> you tell me. You tell self-dubbed. Me. Yeah, I like self-dubbed. it. <laughs> um, I, I hadn't shown him this. Yeah. It's funny what gets yeah, to yeah. kids and when yeah, you've yeah. seen it, but this yeah. is his question for you. Hi, Bucks. Big Penguin here. I saw your son was sad when the Pies lost the grand final. You were a good dad saying it's all right. I love you. Thanks, buddy. It wasn't what we wanted, was it? <laughs> guess what? Hey, buddy, guess what? Guess what? We're all alive and we're healthy and everything's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sad when the Hawks lose. How long was your son sad for? Great question, big, big question, penguin. Thanks, big Mac. Question. Oh, look, I, um, yeah. Well, they're, they're raw moments. So you're on the ground after the granny, and and um, you sort of and I've been there. So that's now the third time that mm-hmm. I've been, or fourth, because you know, 2011 uh, as an assistant coach. So fourth time that I've sat stood on the oval as the losing team, watching the the winning team sort of go about its business, um, and and get the due accolades. But this time I was standing with my wife and the two boys. Um, and with a group of young blokes, the young men that I had, that have such a strong connection with and empathy for. So um, we were, at least we had each other. And I remember thinking that, you know, we've got each other here. So, and, and I can't have said that everything will be okay beyond this and then not believe it. Mm. So I, I was, I suppose I was speaking to myself you know, in that pre-game as much as anything because we will be all right, and we are. Um, and so when um, my young fellow wears his heart on his sleeve, Ace, and um, and he was, yeah, he was he was very upset. He was upset when we when um, 
when we lost to West Coast over in Perth in the qualifying final, he was real upset. Um, and um, and he, he so he was he was uh, feeling it. Um, and he was sort of showing what everyone else was feeling, I suppose, which, which takes a bit of courage. Um, but he doesn't know any different because that's just him. But yeah, so to say to him that, yeah, we're, we're all happy, we're healthy, we're, we're, we're alive and we're healthy, um, and we've got each other pretty much and everything's going to be okay. Um, he was upset. Now, to answer Big Penguin's question, he's probably, he probably doesn't stay upset for too long. Right. He's, he's got, he's got a, he's pretty resilient himself and he'll bounce back. Um, but one thing I am really conscious of um, is that we don't push our emotions down too far. I, I know that that can that can that can cheer you up, and it definitely was something that I had to learn later in life. Um, so my boys, I'm happy for them to be all you know. Tell tell us what you feel. Be you know, feel like dancing, dance. Feel like singing, sing. If you if you want to sit on the couch and gas out, well then do that. But as long as you've got balance in your life and you and you're learning, if you're if you fall short, well then dust you dust yourself off and get up and go again. Um, but yeah, that's um, yeah they're pretty resilient young yeah. young people, aren't they? They are. They're, they're big penguin. He probably uh, takes a Hawthorne loss as hard as anyone, but within 18 seconds, he's moved he's, on to his finchy mate and he runs in the good. IPL tonight. It's good. Oh, and away he goes. He well moves done. straight on. Hey, um, we're out of time. Finish this sentence for me. You could take three hours to answer it. Mm. The key to success is? Uh, knowing yourself. It really is. Yeah, being aware of, of who you are, um, what drives you, what you're passionate about. Um, and I think if you know yourself, well, then you know where to use your time and energy and your efforts because you could be doing trying to do something that you're not passionate about and unless you know yourself, you're not going to know that. Um, invariably, you know, everyone's got unique traits. Everyone's got strengths that they bring to the table, the table being life. Find the best place to apply those strengths and to make those strengths stronger with the right people around you to support you and you'll succeed no matter what you do. Bucks, I've loved this podcast. The kids are going to be stoked with the answers. Hey, best Cheers, of luck mate. to you, your boys, your wife, your footy club and everything else that's going on and to your mum and dad. Um, People are going to love this episode. Hope it all goes well for you, mate. Thanks, Harry. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thanks to Nathan for being so open, so thoughtful and so expressive. He is a star. Wouldn't you love to be coached by a fellow like Nathan Buckley? So that's the end of the series. Hmm, nuts. We'll be back, though. Thanks to MJ, as always, for getting us to air and Darcy Thompson for being involved in various ways this series, to the Grants, Tothill and Blackley for continuing to back the show and to Kimbo Norman for selling the sucker. But as always, the biggest thanks goes to you all out there for listening to the show and spreading the word. You guys rock. Until next time, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try Go, boys! Listener.